Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. New technologies are changing the workforce worldwide, and the environment, health, and safety field isn't immune to the constantly changing landscape. New devices, software, and processes are revolutionizing EHS and forcing professionals to adapt their skill sets accordingly. And it isn't going to stop. In fact, our guest on today's episode says that the EHS profession is in for disruptions on a scale not seen since the establishment of OSHA, perhaps even greater. Joining us today on EHS on Tap to discuss how disruption is becoming the new normal in the environment, health, and safety profession is Dave Johnson, Chief Editor of Industrial Safety and Hygiene News, or ISHN for short. Dave has been Chief Editor of ISHN since 1980, and he has gone on to create ISHN's White Paper Reader Survey on the state of the EHS nation, ISHN's website in 1995, and has written numerous articles and commentaries for more than 440 issues of the magazine. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, Justin. All right. Well, let's start off with a, a somewhat general topic, disruption of the industry. What is it about the EHS field that makes it particularly ripe for disruption by new technologies? Several things, Justin, come to mind. One, uh, EHS safety departments, uh, as you know, are often seen as a cost center. Right. So spending on safety always, or at least usually, lags other departments in an organization. Mm -hmm. Secondly, coming, there's a coming changing of the guard, as you know, a demographic uh, turnover. Right. And you're going to have tech-savvy younger professionals replacing baby boomers. Mm. Third... Uh, in the marketplace, from a business perspective, you have low barriers of entry for technology startups. And these startups are popping up worldwide, not just in the United States. Uh, we're seeing globalization in safety land, you could say, mm. um, with uh, scores of startups in the last couple of years offering um, all sorts of uh, technology for safety and health applications. And then finally, I'd say many uh, EHS departments are conservative by nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, safety is about being cautious and moving slow and being careful. Yep. And uh, so this translates into um, many departments being slow to change, uh, sticking with traditions, moving cautiously when there's, when there's something new on the horizon like all these technologies. There are four reasons, anyway, I would say that the field's ripe for, for disruption right now. Okay. So what are some of the technologies that we're, that we're talking about that we can expect to disrupt the EHS field? Are we talking robots, drones, wearables, software solutions, or are we talking about all of the above? Uh, we are talking about all of the above okay. and then some. Ah, but I think uh, an important point, Justin, is that uh, when I talk about or refer to disruption in the safety profession, I'm referring to more than just technology. Um, okay. As you mentioned in, in your introduction, uh, the creation of OSHA in 1970 was a massive disruption uh, for the mm -hmm. safety and health field. Um, 
positive in many ways, negative, some people would argue in some ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, the creation of OSHA didn't have anything to do with technology. Right. And there are forms of disruption happening now in the field uh, that don't have to do with techno- technological advancements. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, sure. As I just mentioned, safety is becoming globalized. We have mm. the ISO 45001 occupational safety and health management mm-hmm. system standard uh, that's going to become officially released by ISO on March 12th, uh, just about a month from now. Okay. And ISO 45001, like ISO 9000 and ISO 14001, the environmental standard, is expected to have hundreds of thousands of certified management systems. So that's going to be a major disruption. Mm. Then you have other forms of disruption, like in training, uh, micro-learning as a training format is a new form of training to disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have visual literacy being taken from the art world and being applied to hazard recognition and incident investigation. Hmm. You have behavior-based safety evolving into what is now being called exposure-based safety, okay. where you're looking for hazardous exposures, not necessarily behaviors. Mm. Uh, and speaking of OSHA, uh, OSHA's uh, been disruptive most recently in that it's gone a year without a leader or really any front office. Mm. Uh, an OSHA chief has been nominated and is on deck waiting, waiting to come on board, but has not been confirmed by the Senate. Right. And so really the agency has been leadership, uh, leaderless for more than a year now. And uh, the result being that it's no longer the driving force that it certainly was back in the 1970s or in the 1980s. And mm-hmm. I don't think in the next three or four years we can expect uh, a lot out of OSHA in terms of uh, new standards and uh, bold initiatives. So that's going to be disruptive. Mm. Uh, I think a couple of more uh, disruptions, if you will, that are not technological. One is uh, you see a gaining acceptance uh, and understanding of voluntary standards from organizations like the National Fire Protection Association and ANSI, um, Mm. NFPA's 70E electrical safety standard um, is is being widely used now. It's voluntary, uh, but many organizations are taking it to heart and applying it as they would an OSHA standard. Another example is the Robotic Institute Association has Mm. set a safety standard for the uh, the use and work with robots. Again, another voluntary standard, but very applicable to these times. And uh, OSHA has nothing um, close to a, a robotic safety standard. Right. Finally, I would mention uh, human and organization performance. Uh, oh. It's a theory or a strategy for safety um, programs, if you want to call it that, where the thinking is that errors are inevitable. Uh, uh, Human nature being what it is, uh, errors are going to happen, and it's really the work processes 
that safety professionals need to study um, to drive errors out of systems. So you have these various forms of disruption going on, not all technological. Okay, very interesting. So uh, all these disruptions that you're talking about, what are some of the positive effects that these changes will have on the workforce? Okay, there are definitely positives. Uh, yep. Disruption kind of has a negative connotation, but there are right. definitely uh, positives here. I'll give you a couple of examples. Technology sure. generates more intelligence, more data in general. Mm. Um, so safety, safety and health departments are going to have more intelligence uh, at their hands. Mm. Uh, wearables, just one example of technology, uh, are going to give workers uh, real-time health status insights uh, to their personal health that never before available. Mm-hmm. We've seen this in the consumer uh, world in the last couple of years. We'll see it much more in the industrial world in, in the next com- couple of years. Mm. Uh, lone workers, remote workers uh, who've, uh, who are in isolation uh, now can be tracked and monitored if trouble arises. Uh, you have man down alarms and alerts. Uh, so these kind of workers are, say, for instance, utility crews or, or utility workers are, more, are going to be really more protected and more connected than they've ever been. And then I would say if predictive analytics are used correctly uh, by EHS departments, uh, they're going to have the ability to indicate and predict when and where the next incident is likely to recur, uh, likely to occur, mm. which is going to enable professionals to be a lot more proactive than they've been in, in the past. Excellent, excellent. And I, the last example of a positive consequence, Justin, would be that uh, I think training is going to be less boring and more fun uh, due to things like gamification, uh-huh. augmented reality, there's going to be new technological tools for training that I think uh, are going to go a ways to um, uh, kind of doing away with the the idea that, oh boy, uh, here's another boring safety training <laughs> class. Um, so a couple, a couple of positive examples for you. Great. So... Now, how about the negative effects? Like, on the technology side, we hear a lot these days about robots replacing human workers and such. Is uh, any of these negative concerns, are they concerns for EHS? Uh, I think, yes, I think disruption uh, has two faces. It is both positive and and there are negative consequences to it. Uh, You may call it unintended consequences. Mm, Um, mm Mm-hmm. Back to your um, thought about uh, robots replacing humans, uh, yeah, sure, that's going to happen. Robots are going to assume more hazardous work and take humans out of the equation. But I would say, Justin, really, uh, over the last decade or two decades, the outsourcing of dirty and dangerous jobs Mm. to developing countries around the world has probably displaced more U.S. workers than robotics and automation. Mm, mm-hmm. um, another, a couple of other maybe unintended consequences: uh, wearables, wireless tracking, and wireless monitoring. 
create privacy concerns, Justin. They create concerns about Big Brother watching and, and following and tracking employees. Right. You also have uh, IT departments uh, with security concerns mm. and how secure is this new technology that's being brought into the workplace. Absolutely. Uh, I think safety departments could receive more data uh, from all these different uh, sensors around the shop floor and smart factories and uh, uh, different forms of connectivity bringing uh, information and data streaming into departments, uh, they may have, it may be information overload and they have mm. more data than they have staff to analyze and interpret it. Mm. And then finally I'd mention uh, there's something called people selection algorithms, okay. uh, which I think uh, run the risk of putting the emphasis back on blame the worker, if you will. Uh. People selection algorithms uh, use personality and lifestyle traits to supposedly be able to identify for employers the workers who are most likely to have accidents. And I think uh, if that's not used, if those kind of uh, screening tools are not used correctly, uh, it's going to be easy to just uh, go back and put the blame on workers, which was, as you know, one of the uh, original criticisms of behavior-based safety, blame the worker. Right, right. So there's a couple of negatives for you. Okay. So with all these positive and negatives, uh, how do you expect EHS leadership priorities will evolve amid all of these disruptions? Uh, that, good question, uh, because the disruption uh, is going to be chaotic right. uh, without strong leadership. Mm. You need strong leadership in fast-changing times uh, when a lot of new technology and new uh, options and alternatives for running safety and health programs are available. If you don't have strong leadership giving a sense of direction and making decisions about these options and alternatives and technologies, and if you don't have strong leadership engaging the workforce and explaining to both the workforce and senior management what's involved with this disruption and these changes, you're going to have chaos. Uh, secondly, I think professionals are going to have to uh, be good communicators, let me put it that way. They're going to have to articulate advocacy for change mm. uh, for new technology investments to senior management. And professionals are also going to have to be able to slice and dice all the, the new technology data that's going to be available to them. And then they're going to have to explain what this data means, their interpretations and analysis of this data, you're going to have to be able to communicate those findings to uh, up and down the organization to top managers and mm -hmm. to frontline workers. So communication skills have always been important uh, in EHS. I think with uh, the technology that we see coming into the field, uh, being able to talk about this technology, explain it, dispel some concerns and fears, talk about the benefits and the return on investment, are all things that safety professionals as leaders are going to need to do. Okay. So we touched on this just a little bit earlier, but what what role 
do generational differences and the shifting demographics within the industry, what, are, what role do they play in all of this? Uh, big role. Yeah. Uh, the generational differences and the demographic turnover that the EHS profession is seeing right now, has seen for the last couple of years, is going to see even more of as the baby boomer generation um, continues to move into retirement in the next five, ten years, say, uh, that's definitely part of the disruption. And the younger pros that are going to be coming into leadership posi uh, positions uh, have a couple of characteristics that maybe are more unique to uh, millennials, if, if you want to use them for an example. Okay. Uh, I've found anyway in interviewing these uh, younger professionals, um, they're entrepreneurial. They're more entrepreneurial than um, uh, the OSHA generation of professionals was. Hmm. Um, they think more like uh, a startup, uh, venture, uh, um, venture-minded, uh, startup uh, entrepreneurs and uh, they're open to innovation I think they're less tradition bound than the OSHA generation of professionals was again the OSHA generation of professionals that uh, came along in the 80s and 90s or 70s 80s and 90s and are now um, nearing retirement moving into retirement uh, their job one was compliance. I think the younger mm. generation is less cowered by OSHA. As I mentioned earlier, OSHA is not the powerful driving force that it was uh, 20 or 30 years ago. Mm. And I think the younger pros are going to be more comfortable uh, coaching and mm. uh, see less of a need to be policemen and the uh, old-fashioned safety cops. So uh -huh. these changing demographics are definitely going to influence the way that uh, frontline workers, supervisors, and senior managers, again, all up and down the organization, how they interact with the EHS departments. Okay. So what steps would you recommend EHS professionals take in order to successfully adapt to this changing landscape? Uh, another good question. Uh, if you think about it, Justin, it's human nature, don't you think, to resist change, mm -hmm. uh, to have reservations and concern about change, and we're seeing uh, an awful lot of change now. Mm -hmm. uh, talked about it uh, earlier, not just in, in a technological sense, but uh, there's many changes coming at EHS professionals. Mm. Um, when it comes to technology um, specifically, I would say um, one of the things to successfully adapt, don't buy, you don't have to buy into all this new technology right. uh, at face value, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's important to be curious, mm -hmm. open-minded about it, uh, certainly probe, ask questions, mm -hmm. uh, get educated. Uh, right now, I think uh, EHS departments, well, I know EHS departments are being bombarded by a ton, an avalanche of marketing and claims about mobile apps, all types of new technologies and ways of connecting workers um, to technology. And I think uh, because of this uh, uh, bombardment, 
bombardment of marketing. I get emails every day about seemingly another new startup, another new mobile app, another form of technology. Um, to sit through that and to understand uh, what's good, what may be not so good, it's going to be more important than ever um, that professionals network and benchmark and talk to their peers about what they are doing and how they are using new technology. Uh, networking has always been important. Benchmarking has always been important in EHS. Mm-hmm. And I think with all the changes going on, I think to have conversations and discussions and and talk to your network is going to be more important than ever. Great. So let me ask you, in your experience, do you think health and safety leaders and professionals are overall embracing these disruptions or are they a bit more skeptical? Uh, again, I think human nature is you, you don't, when, when the world around you changes fast or your situations change, uh, your first instinct is not to embrace that change. Right. I think your first instinct is to kind of back away and be skeptical a little bit and, mm-hmm. and just try to get a, a handle on what's going on here. And I think uh, that's what I'm seeing anyway with readers of the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and to back that up, uh, the magazine has done some research with readers about their use of new technology. And I have to say right now in 2018, um, uh, usage of uh, all the technology that's being marketed is, is really pretty low. Less than a third of ISHN's readers tell us in um, surveys that we've done in just the last year, less than a third are using mobile devices, wearables, predictive analytics, um, those kind of tools and applications. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this research is also showing us um, that there's going to be a digital divide, if you will, Mm. that uh, it's readers in larger corporations with 1,000, 5,000 or more employees, certainly the Fortune uh, 50, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. When we talk to professionals, readers, in those large multinationals, um, they are right now uh, testing and running trials on new technology, and in some cases uh, they have adopted um, mobile devices and various forms of connectivity. Uh, the smaller companies, um, research shows us uh, it, when you're talking about companies with, uh, say, less than 100, mm-hmm. less than 50 employees, they don't have the resources for this new technology. Right. Um, so I think one of the challenges uh, is going to be how the EHS profession as a whole and the associations, um, the Safety Council, ASSE, um, the Industrial Hygiene Association, uh, what they can do um, to kind of bridge this digital divide. Um, and if you think about it, it, it's really always existed in the EHS world. Um, large companies have always had more resources to throw at environmental health and safety, and smaller companies have always had a more difficult time managing environmental health and safety. Mm-hmm. And in smaller companies, oftentimes, um, safety has meant little more than 
than complying with OSHA. That's all the resources that are there, whereas uh, large corporations have been able to do much more with EHS. And I think um, this technological disruption is, is going to have a similar consequence in terms of large organizations being able to do a lot with technology, small organizations, a lot of this technology is just going to be out of their reach. Mm. Mm-hmm. So after discussing all of this, uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest change that we can expect to see in the EHS industry over the next, say, five years? Well, we've been talking about a lot of changes here, haven't we, Justin? Oh, yeah. So to, to finger just one is is kind of difficult, but uh-huh. I would I would say, okay, boil it down to, to one big change. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see less focus on the individual worker. Okay. Um, and that goes back to uh, behavior-based safety, which has focused, of course, on behaviors for the last 30 years or so. Um, And then there's also been the focus on the individual worker in terms of complying with all the OSHA standards. And I think in the place of focusing on individuals, there's going to be a bigger picture focus on, if you want to call it the organization of work, how work is performed, how uh, the, uh, the performance of work is affected by what you call error traps in work processes. Uh, an error track could be something like workload fatigue, working too many hours. Mm. Um, traps could be workplace stressors, um, uh, production quotas, um, the uh, emphasis to get product out the door uh, mm. creates both physical and, and mental stresses. Um, mm. And I think you're going to see more focus on upstream factors Hmm. um, that are behind uh, how work is organized, how production quotas are set, um, how schedules and timetables are set. These are management decisions, and I think you're going to see more focus on uh, the decisions that management makes Hmm. and less of a focus on what what I would call uh, the sharp end. Um, that on the shop floor where injuries occur, where the work is done. Okay. I think you'll see less uh, focus there, partly as you call, as you talked about earlier, because automation is going to remove some of that dangerous work at the sharp end. Uh-huh. But I think you'll see more remedial work being done at the opposite end, what's called the blunt end, mm. away from the shop floor, um, up in uh, the boardroom and the executive suites where decisions are made, uh, where systems are designed, um, where a company decides, for instance, how much it's, it's going to uh, invest in the so-called gig economy and mm. use temps, contractors, freelancers. Um, those kind of decisions are going to have major impacts on uh, how well or not well a safety uh, company performs in terms of uh, safety, health, and environmental issues. And so I think you're going to see, if I had to say one big change, a change in in orientation, a change in perspective, Mm. a change in focus, uh, it's kind of like opening the lens up, and it's going to be a much broader lens. And the 
the technological data that's going to be delivered um, to EHS departments is going to help open the, the lens up, if you will, and give professionals a much bigger picture of the things that affect uh, safety performance than has been possible in the past. Wow. Wow. Well, this has been a very fascinating analysis of what we might expect for the future of safety, Dave, and we're looking forward to hearing more on the subject during your Safety Summit keynote. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. Sure. I look forward to it, Justin. Pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. The pleasure was all ours. Now, to our listeners, be sure when Dave Johnson delivers his closing keynote address, Disrupting the EHS Landscape, at the EHS Daily Advisors 2018 Safety Summit, taking place April 16th through 18th in Orlando, Florida. There's still plenty of time to join the event and take part in enlightening educational sessions, our first ever safety standout awards ceremony, and an evening dining with sharks at SeaWorld. So for more details and to register online, visit live.blr.com or click on the link appearing on this episode's EHS Daily Advisor webpage. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS On Tap.